Thank you for joining us today. We hope this teaching inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you tools for everyday life. We encourage you to visit us at mbcocala.com to discover more about the life-changing ministry at Meadowbrook, as well as convenient ways you can partner with us financially in helping people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Let's all stand together, could we? We're going to pray. How many of you had a pretty good week? How many of you would like a do-over? Okay. They're all over here. They all rode together, right? Hey, it's okay because we're either up or we're what? Or we're getting up. Is there anything that we cannot go to God about? Nothing. So we can go. And we can go for our stuff, for your stuff, what's going on your life. Uh, we can also go for our nation. There's been a tough week, some horrible events in Pittsburgh yesterday and just so many things happening. Political division. We're in the midst of a, 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 another election cycle and it is so polarized. And we do not just stand back and watch that, y'all. We make sure that we pray. And then in just over a week, we're going to be able to vote again. And I'll tell you this next week, you value your vote and you vote your values and don't just go with everything you hear on television, okay? Matter of fact, I mute my television a lot during this season, you know, and just watch the game and hope your team wins. Well, let's lift our hands to Jesus. That's where our help comes from. Lord, we love you this morning and as we gather together, you have promised that we, when we would do that in your name, that you are right here in the midst of us, not closer to one than the other. You're right here with all of us today. And we come needing you, God. We come not just honoring you, but we come needing, needing you today. And I'm just asking to help us today, to give us your grace and to give us your peace and to give us wisdom and discernment in, in such a strange season. God, we pray for comfort today. For those, especially right now in Pittsburgh, we we pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters, and we just pray safety in this land and civility in this land, and people would operate in wisdom and values, and you'd help our leaders, and you would help all of us, and we just speak and decree the peace of God to our homes, to our neighborhoods, to our community, to our state, to our nation. And God Almighty, please do wonderful and great things. We, we trust you in every realm, every part of our life and our, and our society. And right now, Lord, as we come together, I just pray that you'd speak into every heart, every life today. Help us in this important subject. Help me to deliver your word in the right way. And I pray that when everything is said and done today, that you, Jesus, the Lord of our life, the head over all things to this church, that you would be pleased you would be honored and that these your people every single one of them would be helped today that's our prayer in jesus name and everybody said amen Amen. and amen will you help me welcome our online campus god bless you guys peace to your house and how about a big welcome for our east campus come on east campus we welcome you god bless you guys you may be seated you may be seated east campus is is going awesome uh, we honestly had kind of hoped, had a little faith goal that in the early months we would be averaging about 300 and we're actually averaging about 550 over there. And so good, good things are going on at the East Campus. Yeah. Last week, my daughter, Elise, who lives in Nashville, came in for the weekend and she said to Alicia and I, she wanted to go to the East Campus. 
and uh, to see what that was all about. So they went over to the East Campus. So by the time I got done with church, I called them to, uh, to see if they wanted to go eat together, but they had already gone to church and had eaten. And so that's by myself. So I went through drive through and this is pretty awesome. Speaking of the Acts of Kindness card, when I pulled up to the window to pay for my food, the van in front of me had paid for my food. And the lady at the, at the, the cashier, she said, and uh, the lady in front of you was teaching her children how to do Acts of Kindness. So I said, come on, Acts of Kindness. And so lunch turned out okay. I try not to uh, overemphasize things that should not be overemphasized. I'm allergic to hype. I hate when we have to push, push, push on things. I, I think then they don't have value. They really don't have value. How many of you know we don't have to hype about Jesus? I mean, we don't have to make up stuff about how great our God is. Y'all, y'all with me? But I want to tell you this next week. Everybody say next Sunday. Next Sunday, if you have ever uh, made plans that I'm going to get to church for a service and for a series, uh, this would be it. Okay, and so this next Sunday, I'm starting a six-week series called Anti-Anxiety, Anti-Anxiety, and we're digging deep, and we're going straight after this. Uh, it is epidemic in, in our country, in our world, and we have some keys, and we have some cures, and so we're going to be looking at this uh, just real straight up the next six weeks, so make sure that you're here for that. Great time also to invite some of your friends um, and co-workers and family and so forth. Get them here uh, because I think the truth is going to help us and set us free in so many ways. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing on our series here, uh, Live to Give. We're actually called to a life of generosity. Uh, we're basing this all on biblical truths, uh, which informs all of our life. And the biggest thing, the first thing needs to be this, is that we realize that we're blessed. It's about six or seven scattered right through here. How many of you know that you're blessed? And you need to do this on a daily basis. You need to slow down a little bit and just think about, wow, and count your blessings and realize just how blessed you are. You're wired this way that when you start to do that, then you feel gratitude. And God wants that. He does not want you to just be these entitled, just take what you get and forget about it. We know that every good and perfect gift comes from our Father uh, in heaven. And, and, and we're blessed because we have a good heavenly Father. And he knows how to take good care of his kids. But we're also blessed so that we can what? So we can be a blessing. Now, we're not just, all right, I got to go be a blessing. That, that being a blessing is actually generosity. And that generosity actually flows out of that awareness of being blessed, which creates gratitude. And as I shared with you last week, gratitude fuels generosity in our life. Now, we don't just drift into generosity. We typically, left to ourselves, we're, we're kind of selfish. It's easy for us to say mine or get out of my way and, and so forth. We're just, we're just kind of naturally that way. So we don't drift into generosity. We have to be called to it. And God calls us to that by his goodness in our life and also by messages like this to just kind of remind us how good God has been to us and that we are to not only be grateful, but we are also to be generous. Amen. Life with any consistent, now listen, it's a real loaded statement here. Life with any consistent forward motion 
and stability is always based on principles and follows patterns. That's a whole paragraph. Okay, so life, everybody say life. Life with any forward motion. And that's what you want. You want life to be moving forward. With any kind of consistent forward motion and stability. Everybody say stability. Then that is always based on principles. And it follows patterns. God does everything based on principles and after patterns. It's everywhere around you. It's in everything in life that there are principles. You cannot just live life. I think you should be spontaneous in life, but you can't live by spontaneity and have consistent forward motion and stability. Are you all with me? And what we're trying to become more and more is happy, help me, happy, stable, fruitful, blessed, so that we can be a blessing and ultimately bring glory to God. Good. This is the A crew right here. But it, it, let me just cut to the grammar I grew up with. It ain't going to happen if there's not principles at work and patterns at work in our life. There will be no consistency. There will be no stability. And so principles and patterns is how everything works. It's how it works in agriculture, in, in biology, in cooking, in the, you know, the growth of a tomato plant, uh, the, the conception all the way through development and birth of a baby. Everything is principles and patterns that all of this works on. And the same is true if we want our life to have this forward motion and have stability in it. So I want to share some principles with you today as it relates to generosity and God's blessings in our life. So perhaps the foremost foundational biblical principle We find it numerous places in Scripture. It is well stated here in Psalm 24, verse 1. Look what it says. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. So here's the principle. Ready? It's all God's. Come on, say it with me. It's all God's. It's all God's. And this impacts then everything that he has entrusted into my care and in, in, into your care. It's, it's all from him. It is all his. It is not ours. It is his. It is stewardship on our part, okay? Now, as I mentioned stewardship, I, I want you to relax. You know, we're seriously, hear me, not trying to get anything from you. I'm really trying to get something to you. Something in your life, some principles and patterns that will absolutely change your life, break you free from some things, and bring more peace and confidence into your life. And it really does have to do with stewardship. So first of all, knowing that it's all God's, say it again, it's all God's. And and some of you are thinking, you got a little corner of your mind, but this is mine. Car is mine and the remote is mine. It's all God's. So everything we have, every good and perfect gift comes down from our Father above. And we are stewards of it. And as we're stewards of it, here is the question that must, we must confront because it confronts us as well. And that is, how will I handle 
what has been entrusted to me. How will I spend? How will I give? How will I use this? How will I steward this? All of this must come back to this idea that everything belongs to God. There's our foundation we stand on. Generosity is a win-win. It's a win-win. Generosity, some people get afraid when we talk about generosity. And listen, the offering has already been received. Not trying to work you up to something. We don't have some thing coming up here in a couple of weeks. I'm just trying to get these principles in your lives, get these patterns in your life because of the difference that it will make in your life. So generosity is actually a win-win. Generosity is less about something going out of your life. Actually, there's more that comes than goes. When you involve yourself in biblical uh, 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 generosity, it is, Jesus said, more blessed to give than to receive. Here, let me just tell it to you. You cannot outgive God. Okay? You cannot outgive God. So if you are generous to any degree, when you are generous, God loves generosity. God is all about generosity, and you cannot outgive God. So I want to share some principles with you and then a couple of patterns. And uh, we're going to kind of zip through, so everybody hold on. I'm going to base a lot of this on one of the events that happens in the New Testament. It is the only uh, miracle that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. And it is the feeding of the 5,000. We're going to use John's account today. Uh, How many of you remember the feeding of the 5,000? Okay, Jesus is having a concert out in a field. (laughs) And lots of people come. And they're hungry. So you've got a huge crowd and they're hungry. So he says, guys, what are we going to do? And so one of his guys says, you know, I, I can call on my phone and order stuff. But there's no signal out here. How many of you know I'm not telling you the truth right now? Okay, Jesus is teaching. A lot of people show up and it gets to a place in time where they're hungry. And so he says, what are we going to do? And they have a little boy's lunch. And we're going to break all this down in a moment. And a miracle takes place where that little boy's lunch is used to feed this incredible large multitude. The Bible numbers that there are 5,000 men. And so probably it's a total crowd when you count the accompanying women and children, probably a total crowd, 12, 15, maybe 20,000 people uh, that get fed by this this miracle, this miraculous generosity that that kind of happens here. So let's look at these principles quickly. The first one is this. Generosity is a life test. Generosity is a life test. We want to make sure that we pass this test. Look with me in John chapter 6, verse 3 through 6, out of the story I was just telling you. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing. Come on, everybody say testing. Generosity is a life test. He was testing Philip for he, Jesus, already knew what he was going to do. So he's not being tricky here. He's actually teaching a lesson, showing something that now, even to our day, we get a lesson out of this. And he's testing right here, and here ultimately is the test. Follow this. 
Would they have enough faith? Would they have the trust that Jesus could answer the need? See, he already knew what he was going to do, but he asked, what what are we going to do, guys? He wants to see if they have the trust. Now, I wish I was one of the disciples, and I wish I had the right answer, and I wish I'd said, well, Jesus, you'll take care of it somehow. So he's testing them to see, do you have the trust that Jesus could take care of the need? Further, I think this is part of the test. He's testing to see, do they have the faith, do they have the trust That if they did something toward the need, if they gave toward the need, that not only would the need be cared for, get this, but that they also would be cared for. Would they have the trust that God could turn any situation into a win-win? See, sometimes we have the wrong concept of generosity and we think that that means that God's going to take out of one life put it into another life, deplete and strip you down so he can build up something else. God is not so limited, nor is that the pattern of how God does it. God is able to turn this into a win-win. So here ultimately is the test. You ready? Trust. Trust. So in your life, in my life, in every situation, the real test is trust. And you have to believe this, that God will take care of you As you are generous, God will take care of you as you give. God replenishes the generous. Are you all here? Generosity actually is not so much about you as a giver. It's really more about God as a giver. So that God is able to take care of the need. God is able to include you in meeting a need. And God can meet the need take care of the need, and God can still come back and take care of you. Are y'all following? The test is, are we trusting him? Can we trust him that he will meet the need, take care of the need, also take care of us? Here's the second principle. It's not the amount that counts. It's not the amount that counts. Look with me in uh, John chapter 6. Let me just say this. The power of generosity is in the act of generosity, not in the amount, okay? So it is just the very act. It is the presence and condition in our heart of generosity. It's in the act of generosity. That's what counts, not the amount. Watch this. Then Andrew, going back to side of the hill here, Jesus, hungry crowd. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, But what good is that with this huge crowd? So, watch this. We have a huge, hungry crowd. Andrew comes up with a little kid in a headlock. (laughs) Found this guy and he's got some food. I don't think that's what happened. I, in my imagination, I just imagine kind of nearby, perhaps this little boy heard them talking about how we're going to feed everybody. And being of childlike faith, he just said, you could use my lunch. Now, children sometimes don't know the magnitude of it all. Over the years, all five of my kids at one point or another says, well, here, use my dollar. You know, and it's a dollar's not going to touch it. But the dollar touched my heart big, big time. Are you all with me? And so here, it's not the amount. It is the act of generosity. Notice what he had. He had five 
uh, two fish and five loaves of bread. The Bible notes the type of bread. This is interesting. It was barley loaves. This was considered the food of the poor. This was the cheapest kind of meal and bread that they could have. And these were probably, historians say, small kind of pancake-like loaves of barley bread. He also had two fish. These were probably small, dried, salted. And so he had just this little meager lunch. And there's no mention of his parents. You know, I don't know if he um, was on a field trip. I don't know if he was an orphan. Perhaps he was even a slave. But there he is alone with his lunch, and this lunch somehow gets offered. And Andrew, here's what Andrew says. And and remember, again, it's not the amount that counts. Andrew is thinking amount, though. He's thinking this. He says, you know, here's what we've got. We've got this little boy's lunch. But here's his question. Well, what good is that with such a huge need? And so here's what was important. The power of generosity is in the act of generosity, in the giving of generosity. And you know what happened with the little boy's lunch? It triggered a God-sized miracle. So it's not the amount. It is the act. Next principle is this. Generosity always multiplies. Generosity always multiplies. And again, something bigger always happens. Whenever you and I are generous in any way, something happens just beyond that transaction. Something else happens on so many other levels. And in this case, two fish and five loaves fed a multitude that could be 15, 20,000 people. And here's the big principle right here. You cannot outgive God. Come on, read that with me. You cannot outgive God. God, and yet God calls us to give, and God calls us to be generous in our life. That's what this is all about. The the life, the best life you can live, the life of freedom and joy, and, and the life of knowing, knowing that I will be taken care of is that you make it your business to take care of others and take care of other situations. God is generous, and God is all about generosity. God supports generosity. Can I get an amen out of the church today? And you're an amazingly generous church, and I commend you. And, we're not, and I want to say it to you again. We're not trying to get anything from you. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to fortify this in every life in this place that we are called to a life of generosity. You cannot outgive God. They gave two fish and five loaves. It fed thousands. Look in John chapter 6, verse 12. Watch this. After everyone was you got to be kidding me. You know, have, there's no way that this is enough. And you say, well, it's not 12 or 15 or 20,000 people anyway. You can't show that in Scripture. Okay, smarty. What if it's only 5,000? That's still a honking miracle. I studied the Greek some. That's where I got honking. So. Everyone was, come on, full. Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. Go ahead. So they picked up, watch carefully, they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. It's pretty remarkable, y'all. You cannot outgive God. Amen. No matter how generous you are, 
God's generosity will always be greater than yours. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. We understand that. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. That makes sense. You, say me. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly. Then it's not generosity. And don't give in response to pressure. That's not generosity. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Go ahead. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. This is in the Bible, y'all. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Go ahead. Yes, you will be enriched in every way. Watch this. So that, come on, everybody say, so that. As a result of everything we were just talking about in this passage, you will be enriched because of generosity. Generosity will come. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Here's here's the big principle right here. When you make it your business to be generous, God will make sure you will always always be able to be generous. Come on, read this with me one time. When you make it your business to be generous, God will make sure you will always be able to be generous. Now, to get these working in our lives, these principles, I want to give you a couple of factors here, a couple of patterns that need to be part of our life. The first one is this, priority. Everybody say priority. Okay, what is the root word of Priority. Prior. What does prior mean? Before. Awesome. A plus everyone. (laughs) Priority. So generosity is something that God calls us to. We see clearly in Scripture. And if we're going to make generosity a priority in our life, then we must make our acts of generosity a priority. We must make our giving and our serving, we must make those acts of priority as well. For example, it has to be before if it's going to be generous. Now, part of this is honoring God. So, for example, let me just talk about my life, my family. So, we have determined to put God first. We have determined my entire married life and even before, God is first. Come on, everybody say, God is first. I recognize every day everything I have has come from God. Part of my daily devotional life, I say, God, everything I have is yours. However you want to use it, whatever you want me to do, give, be, go, use, help, share, whatever, I want to do that. And and I can't tell you the joy and the peace and the freedom even during tough times. And yes, there are tough times. But I always know that God will come through and God will take care of me. But I have to put God first And so that means that before, you told me that's what this priority word meant, is before, then before I take care of anything else, I make a statement back to God that he is first. And so my generosity toward God and the work of God, we make sure it happens before, everybody say before, before we take care of anything else. It's awful quiet in church today. 
before anything else. Rather than, let's wait to the end of the month and see what leftovers we have, and then we'll honor God. Who are you putting first if you don't honor God until you see what you have left over? You're not honoring God, you're honoring You're honoring self. So priority here, it's God's, God first, and the first part of anything I do needs to go toward God, honoring God. And when you do this, when you put God first with your serving, with your giving, with your tithe, when you do this, you are making a huge, loud statement that God, you're first, and I trust you with all of the rest. If you hear me say amen today, this is massively huge. I heard the story of a missionary in Africa, and one afternoon there's a knock at the little door on his little hut that he lives in, and it's a young boy, and he has a big fish. And he said, Pastor, you've been teaching us about the tithe, and I brought my tithe. And so this big fish, so the missionary takes it and goes, well, thank you and bless you. So where are the other nine fish? And the boy smiled real big, and he goes, oh, they're still back in the river. I'm going to go catch them now. Do you see the trust in that? That as you give the first part to God, God will help you with the rest. Are you hearing me? You put him first, he helps you with the rest. And actually our giving and our generosity is an invitation for God to be involved in our finances, for God to be involved in our life, and God to be involved in ways that are sometimes supernatural and unexplainable. How many of you here have ever had God come through for you, show himself strong in supernatural and unexplainable ways? Amen. The other factor, the other pattern is this, and it's called percentage, percentage. Everybody say percentage. And again, this is not an amount. This is percentage. This is based on what you have. Scripture's very clear that God doesn't ask you to give what you don't have. It's based on what you have. And you know what this is? It's the great equalizer. It's the equalizer that everybody does the same kind of percentage. Uh, How many of you have heard of a little company, uh, what are they called? Amazon. Okay. The CEO, Jeff Bezos, is now the world's richest person. He surpassed Bill Gates and others, and his net worth is estimated a little bit, a little bit over $100 billion. Now, if we were able to get a hold of how much he gave away last year, and if he gave away, think about it, he's got $100 billion, and if we found out that he gave last year $1,000, Is that generous? No, that's terrible. That's terrible because it has to do with percentage. He didn't even feel that. I heard years ago that if Bill Gates is walking along and he saw $1,000 on the ground, it is not worth his time to stop and pick up the $1,000. Just like you may see a penny and say, it's not worth my time. Well, the penny is is relative to everybody. I still pick up pennies because that's the way I grew up, y'all. So, in in Mark chapter 12, let's look at this real quick. Sitting across from the offering box, he, Jesus, was observing how the crowd tossed money in for the collection. Many of the rich were making large contributions. One poor widow came up and put in two small coins, a measly two cents. Jesus called his disciples over and said, The truth is that this poor widow gave more 
to the collection than all the others put together. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. And there again is going to be an issue of percentages. And the Bible teaches us percentages, actually. So let me just tell you the Bible real quick. Everybody relax because I want, I, want I want to get this point across to you. The Bible teaches as a, as a basis. Actually, we use this formula. This is how I live. This is what we teach it's called 10-10-80. Everybody say 10-10-80. And it just means that the first 10% belongs to God. The Bible is pretty clear about this first 10% that it belongs to God. It's holy unto the Lord. It's set apart to the Lord. Second 10%, save it, invest it. And the other 80%, gamble with. No, what? Live on it, live on it, live on it. And so you may be sitting here today and you said, 10%. Let me, let me just talk about you for a minute, okay? Some of you here, just look straight ahead so people won't know it's you. Some of you here are not good with money. You never learned to manage money. You probably grew up in a family that never learned to manage money. And you live month to month, paycheck to paycheck. And some of you are saying, I wish it was that good. And so you're saying, 10%? You've got to be kidding me. Just hold your thought. Come back in just a moment. Others of you are good with money. You just have, you've been trained or you have a propensity toward that. And you, you manage well. And you invest and you're building your, your net worth and so forth. But you might also not be honoring God with 10%, and not because you can't, but maybe you didn't know, or maybe you're unwilling, or, or maybe you think you're, you know, uh, I don't know how that system works. And again, the test, the life test is trust. So this is what I would encourage everybody to do. You may be far from 10%, but you need to take a step toward God. And, and maybe even if it's this, 1%. Your life will begin to change if you 1% toward God and save 1%, whatever mess you're in, self-inflicted even, 1% toward God, 1% save, you give it some time and you watch, you watch what God will do. 1198, because here's, here's, here's the real truth on this. When you do that, when out of whatever your situation is, you say, God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to put you first, not just with my words and my songs and this or that, but in the way that hits my heart and my mind and my life bigger than any other way. With my finances, I'm going to put you first. And you start 1% toward God. You honor God in that way. Listen to me. When you honor God, God will meet you there and God will help you there. And then before you know it, you're going to be able to move on to 2 2 96. And three, three, something else, because I took math in Leesburg. (laughs) That's not that bad, y'all. Start where you are. Take that first step. God will meet you there. God will help you there because it honors God. And here's the other thing, too. You will start to break free from fear and greed and selfishness, and you open the door to a peace and a confidence that as I put God first, and it's all God's, I'll do what he shows me to do with this, and I'm telling you what, God will not only take care of the need, God will take care of you. Look with me in Deuteronomy, and I'm about to close. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. 
It's not about an amount. It's not about all this and this and this. The purpose of tithing is just to teach you to put God first in your life. And I'm telling you what, you put God first in your life, God will help you with all the rest. It's all God's. And God has called you and I to realize that what comes to my life is not all for me. God wants to take good care of you. But God also wants to help others through you. And I pray that you get a revelation of this. You'll get a realization of this. God's not trying to ask you to do something you can't do. It all will be within the range of what you can do. And I'm telling you what, as you honor God, God will meet you there. God will help you there. God will bless your life as he uses your life. And God is all about generosity. In the end, it's not so much about you and I being givers. It's about God being a generous giver. And as a result, you and I are to live to give. Amen? Do you get anything at all out of this today? All right. Let's do this real quick. Let me have every head bowed, every eye closed. Hey, if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your life, my friend, hear me. You need Jesus in your life. These are crazy days, and I don't care if these were the best of days. You need Jesus in your life as your Savior to help you in this life and to give you a home in heaven forever. Others of you, you maybe have received Jesus, but you know, hey, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord today. Use this prayer as well. And if, you, if everything's right with you and God today, just pray this prayer strong with uh, all the rest of us as well today. Let's pray together. Father God, I come to you now in Jesus' name. Jesus, who loves me, gave himself for me. Lord, I love you, and I give myself to you. I ask you right now, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Savior and be my Lord. And by the blood of Jesus, shed for me. Forgive me right now of every sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Make me brand new and set me free. And by the blood of Jesus, cleanse me in every way. Fill me now with your peace, with your joy, with the Holy Spirit, and with the assurance. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. And I thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord this morning. Hey, give me just, I'm going to get you out of here in less than 60 seconds, but I've got very important information for anyone who made that decision and and prayed that prayer for the first time this morning. There is a green card located in front of you. This is our decision card. We are committed to helping you move from where you are to where God wants you to be. So we need to get a little bit of information. If you fill this out right now and before you leave, drop this off with one of our ushers or outside at our guest services, get this card to them. And then if today was your first time, Fill out this blue card because we want to get a uh, coupon to our cafe for a drink of your choice. Just a small way to say thank you. But if you drop this off at one of our VIP areas located on the north or south entrance, we'll take that from you and give you that coupon. Otherwise, if you need prayer for anything, you can come right up here and we're going to have a team ready to pray for you. Have an incredible rest of your day. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to this message resource for Meadowbrook. You can stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.